Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. We pray that God will help me tonight to give you this message in a way that reflects how much it's challenging my thinking even today. Uh, none of these things are things that I got out of a book. They all come out of a place of prayer and, and having the Holy Spirit speak and then going to the Word of God and having it start to kind of uh, open up. And so I want to read to you quite a few verses, actually. And I don't apologise for that. I think sometimes we quote one verse or two. We don't take the time to read enough of it to get the story and then go back and chew on it some more. So this is Judges chapter 6. Beginning in verse 11, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abbey Israelite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. The Midianites were a vast force that were an enemy to Israel, and they were having raiding parties come down, strategically waiting until the harvest had taken place. And then they would come in after the children of Israel had done all the hard work of growing it, of harvesting it. They'd swoop in and they'd carry off everything that they could find. And as a result of that, the children of Israel are desperate. Uh, the children of Israel are resorting to things like this where a guy hides in a wine press. Now, I've seen one in Israel. And when you see a wine press, you've got to make yourself as low a target as you can. They're not huge. And so he's hiding in this, desperately trying to get just enough so that he can survive uh, here and his family. And so verse 12 goes on and says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said something astounding to Gideon. It wouldn't be astounding to God, but it was certainly astounding to Gideon. I believe that if the Lord was to appear in front of every single one of us, whether you are a Christian that's been following the Lord a long time, or whether you are someone that's not yet a Christian, not yet following, I believe that all of us would be astounded if that were to occur to us, and we were to hear God speak. Why do I say that? It's because overwhelmingly I meet people who are not yet Christians who think that if God was to appear to them, He'd tell them how disappointed He is. He would speak to them and rhyme out a list of all of their sins, their mistakes and their failures, or He'd tell them how not good enough they are. Even amongst many Christians, I hear them say things, as someone said to me this week, well, I, I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't pray enough. I'm not holy enough. And what they're telling me is that if God was to appear, that's what they expect He would say. And so when the angel here in verse 12 appears to Gideon and says to him, the opposite of what he feels, the opposite of what everyone else says, and the opposite of what his circumstances tell him and declares to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valour. Gideon does what most people do when God speaks to them. He argues with God. 
Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why? Isn't that the human question? God, why? Why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, didn't the Lord bring us up from Egypt? And then he makes a judgment about the way God thinks based on what he feels and by his circumstance. He says, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said to him, go in this might of yours and you will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Haven't I sent you? He said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan's the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I'll be with you. You will defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if now I found favour in your sight, show me a sign that it's you who talks with me. Aren't we hard to convince? Aren't we hard to believe? Jesus said to his own disciples, oh fools and slow of heart to believe. I've spent, well, I don't know how many years since I gave my life to Christ, but it's a lot. And I've got to be honest that sometimes I feel like the words of Jesus could be written about me. Oh, why are you so slow to believe all that God has said about you? If I've found favour in your sight, show me a sign that you talk with me. Don't depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And the angel said, I will wait until you come back. Next Sunday morning, I'm going to speak to you about a different perspective on lack. And I'm going to echo some of this story to you uh, that's fresh and hot off the press for you. You want to be a part of next Sunday morning. Verse 19 anyway, so Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket, put the broth in a pot, brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. The angel of the Lord, wait for next week. I'm going to talk about this next week. The angel of God said to him, take the meat, the unleavened bread, lay them on this rock, pour out the broth, and he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread, watch this, and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Father, will you help us? Every single one of us, myself included, not only wants to grow, we need to grow. Every single one of us, God, have perspectives that have been shaped by the world, by our upbringing, by our family, by the media, by the, the circumstances of life that we're in right now. And we need you, Lord, to give us a, a, a perspective that you alone can bring. Holy Spirit, we open our mind and our heart so you can speak and that we can be changed in Jesus' name. God, of course, we give you all the glory. Sure, the only one who could do all of that. Thank you for it. Amen and amen. In English, we have a saying that goes like this. We say that we are willing and able. I'm not sure if other cultures carry that same uh, phrase, but we certainly do in our country. We talk about someone being 
willing and able, as though you need both. But I want you to look back with me for a minute at Gideon's own assessment of what Abel looks like in his life and world. He freely says he's got no capacity to lead. Nobody will follow him because after all, there he hasn't got a leadership bone in his whole body. People argue over whether leadership is a gift or whether it's nurtured. While Gideon puts his hand up and says, on both counts, I'm a failure. He says, I've got no ability to fight. Because God's asking him to go to a battle and he's going, well, I, I can't do that. Obviously, he's not there ready to fight off the Midianite hordes. He's cowering in a wine press, hoping they won't spot him. This guy's more prepared to flee than he is to fight. He says, I've got no experience in strategy. I have no idea how to get started in anything that remotely would lead us toward victory. He said, when it comes to influence, no one even knows my name. I'm not the guy, if you read the rest of Gideon's story, when he goes at the, at the command of God and cuts down the altar of Baal up in the grove behind his father's house, the people of the city come in the morning and say, who did this? Because he's not the first person they think of. This guy's not a man of influence. When it comes to Abel, Gideon's life is completely lacking. Now, here's the important bit you've got to get. Because he lacks Abel, Gideon believes that his willing is useless. I'll say that again. Because Gideon lacks when it comes to Abel, he believes that being willing would have no effect. So that's why he argues with the angel. Because he's still fixated on ability, on resource, on experience, upon what everybody else thinks. He's so fixated on that that of course he looks at himself and goes, well, what a da, what's the point of me being willing when I lack able in my life? I want you to hear this tonight, that God does not ever begin with your able. God always starts with willing. God doesn't begin with can you. God doesn't begin with have you. God doesn't begin with what have you done. Show me your resume. God always begins rather with willing. If we will be willing, God will give us the able. It's not willing and able. God asks the question a completely different way. Not are you willing and able, he just asks you one question only. Are you willing? He doesn't ask you about what you've done, how smart you are, whether you sailed through school and got a, you know, your undergrad, your postgrad, your doctorate, your whatever, how many certificates you got on the wall. God doesn't ask you, in, listen to me, this is so important because we need churches filled with Christians that know how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and that aren't fixated, they don't bring a worldly mentality into the kingdom of God. The world says you've got to be willing and able. 
They'll go through your resume. They want to know, you know, what references you've got. Regularly, people in this church that have asked me for a reference, and when I know them enough to be able to give that, I freely do it, and I'll get a phone call from someone, as I did a couple of weeks ago. Can you tell me about what they've done in your church? And what they want to know is not are they willing, they want to know about Abel. And we make a mistake, listen to me, because many of you here and that are a part of this service, you have always looked at your Abel to see what your destiny can look like. You've looked at what you're good at or not good at. Now, thank God for EFM. But can I tell you the best EFM, the best prophetic words over your life and all the rest of that will mean absolutely nothing if you make Abel your starting point. Go to EFM, I hope you do. Uh, this one's in the building, the next one after that's online. Only a few weeks after that, so hang in there if you're online, be a part of it. But you know, the team will get with you and they'll take you through spiritual gifts questionnaire and all this other stuff, the prophetic team will prophesy to you. But none of that will make one scary difference in anybody's life if you still have the mentality that goes, yeah, but I, I, I'm not really... I'm not good enough. Yeah, but I don't know how. I've never done it before. Well, you know, I was so shy when I was a kid. Well, after all, you know, they kicked me out of university. Well, after all, you know, I, I really have never been trained. And by the way, every single one of those things I just said was me. Are you going to listen to me? Are you going to let Abel drag and drive the train or are you going to say Abel is the last carriage what leads this train the engine of the train is willing it's not Abel come with me to Matthew's gospel chapter 8 this is not going to be a long message but I've preached these three verses for I don't know how many times I love it but I've always preached it about healing and never seen the deeper truth that was underneath it. Matthew 8 verse 1, when he, that's Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Behold, a leper came and worshipped him and said to him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus put out his hand and touched him and said, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I want you to notice that his first question is not, are you able? How much success, Jesus, have you had in leper healing? Have you got a track record in leper healing? Are you any good at that? This man, I believe, my, my, with all of this, my confidence is that this guy sees something and understands something that nobody else around about him gets. I think this man understands God starts with willing. And so he comes and asks Jesus the right question, not the wrong one. He comes and says, Lord, I know God starts with willing. Are you willing? And of course, Jesus' response is, I'm willing. He understands that's where God starts. Willing will always find a way past impossible. I'm just absolutely convinced in all the years, 33 years of this church going, how many impossibles have we faced? Oh, I don't know how many, but there's been lots. 
all kinds of impossible. And I do know this, that every single time we've begun with willing, somehow or other impossible has always had to make way when willing led the charge. What impossible are you facing? I think about conflicts that don't get resolved in people's lives. And I understand that sometimes those things are complicated. But so many times when people come to deal with conflict, they go to Abel. They ask themselves the question, can I forgive this person? I've had that. I've had people, you wouldn't believe how many times people said to me, I'd like to, I just can't. Because see, they're starting with Abel. And I truly believe that if two people are willing, then there is no conflict impossible to resolve. Now, sometimes two people aren't willing. Sometimes one's willing and the other one's not, in which case I'd say, maintain, listen to me, maintain your willing. Are you there? Maintain your willing. Don't turn away from willing and go back to Abel. Well, you know, I could have forgiven them, except now it's been 10 years. And you know, they've ignored me. And I could have forgiven them, but I can't now. What have you done? You've just taken the entire battlefield out of willing and put it back into Abel. We're not talking here about just some kind of airy-fairy thing. We're not talking about something that's easy. I'm talking about down where we live, where you and I live. I do know this, that willing is always the doorway to a different future. I know that if you and I start with willing, oh, mercy, start with willing. Someone asked me this week, I mentioned it this morning, they asked me some of my story and how I got going. They were interested, they didn't know. And I told them about how I was new, new, uh, a new Christian. I owned one pair of good trousers and I was wearing them to church. I was wearing that, I still remember it. I was wearing an army disposal shirt, a green one. The button had fallen off one of the epaulets and flopped down. Uh, I had thongs, jandals, flip-flops, whatever you call them where you are, on my feet, but the dog had bitten them the last bit off them and I didn't have any money so I just wore them. I had hair that was extremely long back in the day when that was not cool for Christians. And I remember my pastor saying so many people were coming to Christ like they are here that we really need somebody who will come and work for free for the church. I was still paying off my university debt. And I'm not saying everyone should do what I did, but something in my heart said, that's you. Now, really honestly, you would not have recommended me at all. Imagine this, a long hair, dog bit the back of my footwear. I'm wearing an army disposal shirt. That's cheap for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. And my one pair of good pants and I walked up to the pastor and I held out my hand and I said, I'm your man. And I was reckon God momentarily smote him blind. Because he said to me, when can you start? And I said, I'll give notice at my job. And off I went. When it came to Abel, I had nothing. But I was willing. 
I can, uh, I can tell you, but you wouldn't believe me. Willing is the doorway to a different future. Willing is God's way of getting past impossible. God starts with willing. One more verse, or one more couple of verses as we draw to a close time, because this is a simple message. But I'm praying that lots of you, in lots of areas of life, maybe God has put on your heart a vision or a dream and you go, oh, yeah, that'll never happen. You know, you know I, I, I've got kids. I'm not married. I don't have uh, kids. Uh, when the kids grow up, when they go to high school, when the kids go through university, uh, when they all leave home, when I'm retired, and then one day you're dead, and it's too late because you kept on looking at able instead of a willing, and you missed your moment of opportunity because you made it all about able. Are you with me? Come on. We as a church have done so many ridiculous things where they weren't able. Ask our board, who are forever going, oh, listen, you know, we just keep on voting for vision. Come with me back to Judges for a minute. Judges chapter 8, verse 22. Gideon's gone off under God's direction and he's won this ridiculous battle, triumphed over the Midianites. Watch this. And the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson. That's a pretty massive DNA shift in the family line, isn't it? You're a nobody. You're the least in your father's house. All of a sudden now, we don't just want you. We're taking your son and your grandson you don't even have yet. Matter of fact, you don't have a son. And all of a sudden they're going, we want to give you leadership and influence over us and your grandson also for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I won't rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Then Gideon said to them, I'd like to make a request of you that each of you, each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder because they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And so everybody out of a, a multitudinous horde of people goes about snatching the golden earrings out of their vanquished foes' ears and a great big pile. And how do I know it was a great big pile? Because they made a gigantic uh, golden ephod, a priestly garment out of all the gold that was given. It was huge. It was so big that people could see it. And so he goes and builds this thing. And I read all this and I look at it and go, everything that Gideon lacked, he said he had no influence. He had no confidence. He has no resources. Now all of a sudden he's got all of these things in abundance. And get this, it all started with willing, not able. Willing opens the door. Oh, I hope you get this. Willing opens the door to the world of more. Whatever there is in your life, the law of sowing and reaping depends entirely on willing. You've got to be willing to give away your seed. Gideon gives away an offering. I'll talk about this next week. He gives away an offering to God 
It's quite remarkable what God does with it. But look what he reaps. So many people look at Abel when it comes to giving rather than saying God's looking at willing. Amen? Think about the woman who gives her two mites, the widow's two mites. I see this now, I go, oh, heck, this is everywhere. The widow's two mites, Jesus didn't look at their able, he looked at their willing. He reaps much, much more. He's willing to give up his reputation in obedience to God. And he reaps incredible influence. Psalm 110 verse 3 says this, your people will be willing in the day of your power. So I'm asking you tonight in the day of God's power, really, I'm saying, would you, would you start with willing? Let God bring up the able. Come on. Oh, listen, I pray every one of you, if you've never done this, your mind will jump in there and go, yeah, but what if and how come? I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. You should always get wise advice and good counsel before you make a, a big step. But I believe that the more important than any of that is that we say to God, God, I'm willing. The greatest willing you'll ever give is a simple yes to God. The yielded life is the great life. And I pray tonight, today, wherever you are, I pray that whoever, come on, I just know that there are people a part of the service either in front of me or online and you know God's speaking to you and saying, come on, give me your willing. Give me your willing. Give me your willing. I'll take care of the able. I'll take care of the impossible. I'll take care of all the things you can't do. I'll take care of all of your lack, all of the things that aren't there. <clears throat> I'll do all of that if you'll just give me your willing. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person that's a part of this service. Some I can see and some I can't. But Holy Spirit, you are not limited like I am. So you're in that lounge room, you're in that office, you're in that motor vehicle, you're at that beach where that person's online and a part of it. You're in this building. God, I pray that this won't just be a message for people that are starting in their Christian life, their beginning. But, oh God, I pray it'll be one for those of us that have been around for decades. As we celebrate 33 years of this church's existence, God, I want to say I'm willing for the next step and the next year and the next stage. We don't look at Abel and say, what can we do? What resources do we have? We just simply come before you, God, and say, I'm willing. If you're in the building and you'd like to do this, no pressure on anyone. But I really felt that tonight, it's more than a good message of information. I feel like the Holy Spirit's challenging some of you and going, you know, you started to drift into Abel. It started to become about what you can do or what skill set you have. I believe the Holy Spirit's saying to all of us, will you come back to willing? Will you start there? Some of you, maybe you're not drifting into Abel, but you'd be like me just saying, God, I, I really want you to hear.
I'm saying yes again. If that's you in the building, you want to stand with me before I pray. If you'd like to do that and stand with me, just say, God, by my standing, I'm saying I'm willing. I'm telling you again, Lord, I'm up for this. God, if you call me a mighty man of valor, mighty woman of valor, I'm up for this. Lord, if you ask me to sow, to invest, to give, to do whatever you want, to serve, God, I'm up for it. If that's you, just stand with me if that's you. If you know the Holy Spirit speaking to you, you just stand to your feet in the presence of God. No one's looking around. No one's counting. No one's worried about any of that. I will put my trust in you. It's a sure foundation. Who knows how much is on the other side of a small willing? The churches in Ephesus, in Philippians, in Galatians, Thessalonia, all those things were on the other side of one man called Saul. And he said, I'm willing. Gideon's little willing at the start when he's a a scaredy cat. But he said, I think I can squeak out a willing. Turn him into a nation deliverer. Who knows what's on the other side. If you're standing with me, I'm not even looking. I'm not worried about it. If you're online, stand wherever you are if you can. Heavenly Father, thank you for people that are willing, Lord, even willing to become willing, if that's what it takes. Help us and work with us. Be patient with us, Lord, who you are, but work with us, Lord, to mould us into someone that's usable, malleable, someone that you can fill, do something great with in Jesus' name. We thank you that the best and greatest days of the church of Jesus Christ are not behind us, they're in front of us. We are coming to the culmination of the ages. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The fields are white under harvest. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated if you are standing. Some of you here are either in this building or online with us have never said the first yes. Well, maybe you just did while we were praying. Maybe you said your yes to God. Maybe you said, Jesus, here am I. I still remember my, I still remember. I remember my heart pounding. Why? Well, because I knew it was a big deal. And again, there wasn't anybody would have looked around that room at that time and thought, Wow. This guy, God has his hand on him. I think they all thought the devil had his hand on him. Matter of fact, I'm sure they did. But a little yes to God. Ooh. I was telling someone this week about Kurt. All those years of not saying yes. I hope you don't mind me saying this. All those years of not saying yes. And then we had a guest preacher. And he said, if you're not a Christian, Lift your hand. Kurt's such an honest man, he put his hand up. Preacher said, if you lifted your hand, pray this prayer. Kurt said, well, I lifted my hand, I'm going to pray the prayer. 
The preacher said, if you lifted your hand and you prayed the prayer, come out, let me pray for you. So Kurt said, well, I lifted my hand, I prayed the prayer, I'm coming out. It was Owen Fox. I remember who sat with you and prayed with you afterwards. And as he told me the story, you said, does this mean I'm a Christian? He wisely said to you, did you mean it? And guess what he said? Yes. And that yes, I look back now, Kurt, and I see a changed man. I see someone whose family life, whose whole outlook on life has become so vastly different. So these chairs you were sitting on, he was the one. Retired as an architect and came and worked every day for how many months? Six? I'm embarrassing him now, but he came and did all that so that this building could look brilliant. Online, so many people around Australia who were getting what was cassettes back in the day, then CDs. Kurt was doing all that. Long before there was an online, he was reaching out to people that couldn't be here. And it all started with a yes. Amen. Don't, don't minimise your yes. Come on, if you say yes to Jesus, it'll change your life. If you say yes to Christ, it'll change you. Go to that number I said earlier on. Text it, 0488 Yes, whichever way. People did it this morning. I believe people will do it again in this service. You'll say yes to Christ. It'll be the start of something amazing in your life. Amen. Hey, thank you so much. I pray that those of you that are giving your yes or that have just given it, I know that as you do that, so much begins to open up. I'd love you to go back and listen to this message again. Go to YouTube, Metro Church WA. It'll be up there and you'll be able to hear it again. Let the Holy Spirit keep speaking to you. Amen.